Dueling Genre Productions presents. Oh my god, do you see that? When a freak accident strikes McKinney City, ordinary citizens are given amazing abilities. I can move things with my mind. Oh my god, I'm flying. I can fly. I can teleport and I can fly. Super senses. What, like Daredevil? We are just playing fast and loose with this whole science thing today, aren't we? Now, there are villains. Billy, when you have an arch nemesis, do you just kill them immediately? No. You tie the ropes just loose enough so that they can keep escaping. That way, when you finally do win the day, you can sleep well knowing that you rose to the challenge. Your brain works differently than other people's, doesn't it? And heroes. Leah Markowitz, Gwendolyn Allen, Jeffrey Gibson, Mindy Gibson, Simon Holt, Splendid, you're all here. I'm going to make you all into superheroes. Screw it. Let's go save the day. The Powerful. After I drain everyone here, McKinney City will be mine. I'm going to show this whole city what real passion truly is. And the underdogs. You're all imagining me as a singing, dancing chipmunk right now, aren't you? The people in that store need help, and we can help them in a way no one else can. We have great power, which means they're our responsibility. I mean, Jesus, what's the point of having five freaking Spider-Man movies if we can't even learn to do that? Geek by Night, an original podcast series about five friends running a comic book store with superpowers. You're really going to keep running a comic book shop while trying to be superheroes? It might not always be easy, but I think the world could use a few more underdogs. Available at DuelingGenre.com and podcast apps everywhere. Dueling Genre Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski. And I'm Todd Mack. And this week we are discussing Olivia Pope from the television show Scandal. Todd, it's about time we talked about Shondaland. Yes. <laughs> as the production company behind Scandal and many other hit TV shows, as I will talk about when we get to the trivia. And uh, for a while on our schedule, listeners, we've just had a note, uh, do something from Shondaland, I think was the more or less the note that we had made for ourselves. And today is yes. the day. Today is the day. Yep. How are things it, for you? Uh, things are good. Uh, you know, halfway through a semester, uh, haven't quite, uh, you know, hit into the lull that's inevitable where uh, I, I my class uh, that I'm teaching this semester starts at 8 a.m. and I'm just waiting for the attendance to drop as people start to say, no, not today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not making it up, but I haven't hit that lull yet, but I, I imagine it's coming. How are things going for you? We had a terrible, we had a terrible, terrible round of the flu that went through the school. And I mean, people were dropping like flies. And I had so many students missing and missing like multiple days uh, for being sick. And then we finally got everybody back together. And today uh, there was just no energy. Like every, I think everybody's just exhausted from, <laughs> from dealing with this, uh, this thing. Um, but uh, I think we'll have a, we'll have a nice weekend and get back into it. I took a five hour nap today, so I'm feeling <laughs> great. <laughs> Todd, you just need to look your students in the eyes and tell them that they're gladiators. They're gladiators in suits. It's time to go. 
Uh, listeners, yep. if you are unfamiliar, Scandal is an hour-long drama that began airing on ABC in 2012. It was created by Shonda Rhimes and stars Kerry Washington as Olivia Pope, who is an expert in crisis management and so many other things. Uh, <laughs> she heads a company that handles crises for individuals, and because the show is set in Washington, D.C., many of those crises are going to involve politics and government and little things like, I don't know, maybe the president committing a murder. Who knows? Who knows what might happen in this kind of a show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I have thoughts. I have so many thoughts about this. Uh, it's an interesting to show to watch, even e like to watch uh, ep uh, season one in 2017. It's like, man, our political landscape has changed but quite has significantly. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, let's talk about it. But um, yeah. Had you ever watched uh, Scandal or any other Shondaland show before preparing for this podcast, Todd? Not before preparing for the podcast. I started, when you made that note, I thought, you know, I'd I never even watched any of these things. So I started watching Scandal a little bit. Um, I watched the first five episodes. And then I was, I st at the very end of episode five, I was like, oh, these people are making the worst life decisions <laughs> And I can't, I can't feel myself getting behind any of them. Like I just, it was, it, I, I, I was, anyway, I just, I turned it off because I was like, this is too much for me. Uh, and, um, and then I started watching it again because we decided we really were going to do this. And um, I still have the same <laughs> feeling. Like I, these characters are, I mean, talk about uh, flawed, complicated characters. Um so I've watched some of season five now. I've watched some of season two. I've watched some of season one. Um, and it's all um, interesting. <laughs> uh, I, w I knew of Shonda Land shows. Uh, and again, we'll get into a little bit more of what all of those are. Uh, just from TV critics um, talking about it. And particularly when ABC gave um, Thursday night entirely to Shonda Rhimes programming. <laughs> Uh, which is not a common move <laughs> in the television industry. Yeah. Uh, and so I knew they were quite popular and I have students who talk about um, Grey's Anatomy particularly, but also mm -hmm. um, Scandal and How to Get Away mur uh, with Murder as um, shows that they enjoy. But I hadn't watched any. And <laughs> today, this is probably not the ideal way to approach the TV show Scandal, which is very densely plotted and conspiracy laden. And yes. there's um, many you know through lines that get picked up and dropped and characters allegiances change it, uh, it seems and i watched the pilot and then uh we had asked my sister who had watched um some scandal uh what episode she recommend as like a strong one because sometimes when we do tv shows we just do like a best of and she said oh the, the uh, finale of season two is is really good so i watched the pilot <laughs> and then the finale of season two <laughs> and i just felt like there is a lot of story that I have missed. Yes. <laughs> yes, I will tell you, uh, having watched only very little bit more than you have, uh, you have missed a lot of story. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in this show. Uh, but I'll try to fill you in on some of that in my summary. Specifically, listeners, today we are talking about the pilot episode titled Sweet Baby, which was written by Shonda Rhimes and directed by Paul McGigan, and the season two finale titled White Hats Back on, which was written by Shonda Rhimes and directed it by Tom Varika. 
A little bit of trivia about this series. Um, Carrie Washington, who plays Olivia Pope, has been nominated for a couple Emmy Awards for Best Actress. She's also a producer on the show. And Scandal won a Peabody Award. And it was also named Television Program of the Year by the American Film Institute. Uh, during season four, it was a top ten show. Uh, it's other seasons that hasn't been quite that highly rated, but it does maintain a loyal and sizable audience. Uh, and it is currently in its seventh, and uh, it has been announced that this will be its final season so that they can wrap up all the storylines that seem to be myriad. <laughs> so yeah. many storylines, from what I can tell. Yes. Uh, we should talk about Shonda Rhimes for a moment. Uh, she is one of the most impressive and powerful women in the television industry. She has been the creator and showrunner for Grey's Anatomy, Private Practice, and Scandal. And all of those shows are produced by her production company, Shondaland, which has also produced shows like The Catch, Off the Map, and How to Get Away with Murder. And it was just announced that Shondaland, the production company, has a new deal with Netflix for its future projects. I believe all of its uh, previous projects have been on ABC. And in 2014, ABC moved Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, and How to Get Away with Murder um, to a three-hour block on Thursday night. So all Shondaland shows all the time on Thursday <laughs> That's nights. That's a lot of drama. ABC. <laughs> so much drama. <laughs> Uh, and the character of Olivia Pope is partially based on, I'm assuming extremely partially in terms of the actual plot <laughs> of what happens to her life, but partially based on Judy Smith, who worked for uh, the George H.W. Bush administration. And Judy Smith is a co-executive producer on wow. the show. That's interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I again, I'm like more of an inspired by. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing like the, like the on... like Cool Runnings is based on a true story. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, inspired by a true story, not really based uh, or adapting the true story itself. Yeah, let's hope not. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we move on to Todd's full synopsis, listeners, we want to thank each and every one of you for listening, and especially we want to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support our show financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonists and support our show with at least $1 per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers or uh, just talk about what we've been reading or watching recently. And as well, right now, we also give you a breakdown on our 2018 uh, fantasy box office, which Black Panther is doing very well for me. <laughs> that was a strong pick. That's a strong pick. <laughs> All patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. And we have some fun patron picks coming up in the next few episodes. Uh, there's one show I don't know that we ever would have gotten around to. That is uh, the next film we'll be talking about. So just keep your, uh, your ears open for that one. <laughs> yep, it's going to be fun. All right, Todd, do you have a full synopsis for us of these two episodes? I do. So I'm going to start with uh, season one, episode one, which is called Sweet Baby. So here we go. If I, uh, if I, if I skip important things, feel free to, to step in. Okay, so a young woman runs into a bar to meet a guy. She tells him she doesn't do blind dates, and she just came into the bar to cancel with him. And then he says, this isn't a date. It's a job interview. Uh, she kind of laughs at him, and she is going to leave. She tells him he's a baby lawyer uh, when he tells her that he works for Olivia Pope, and she stops in her tracks. Uh, he tells her that he's going to offer her a terrible salary and that she is going to take it because they are the good guys. He says, I'm not a baby lawyer. I'm a gladiator in a suit because that's what you are when you work for Olivia. You're a gladiator in a suit. Do you want to be a gladiator in a suit? You got to say it. To which this young woman, her name is Quinn. She responds, I want to be a gladiator in a suit. Uh, now we see Olivia Pope, who is this uh, young lady 
lawyer person. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she and one of her colleagues, they face down the Russian mob who have been blackmailing uh, the Russian ambassador. And she is $3 million short on what was supposed to be a $6 million deal. But she uses her leverage and her powers of convincing people uh, to pressure these mobsters into giving her this package that she needs. Uh, so Quinn and Harrison, who is the baby lawyer, uh, they show up at Olivia Pope and Associates, which is where they work. Uh, and Quinn meets Olivia, who explains that they aren't a law firm. They just help people in crisis. Uh, they fix problems. Um, and then just then, the Russian ambassador comes in, and he recovers what was in the package uh, that Olivia got from the mob. And it turns out it was his baby. And he is very, very grateful. And he pays them uh, a nice check. And uh, and also, we're, we understand um, that now he's in her debt. Uh, and that seems to be where she gets most of her power comes from. Uh, connections and people owing her favors. Uh, so then there's a knock on the door and this guy comes in, he's all bloody. His girlfriend has been murdered and the police think that he killed her. Um, so they start to interview him. turns out his name is uh, uh, Sully St. James. He was a war hero in Iraq and then he came back um, and became a hero for the right, uh, for gun rights and uh, etc. Um, and it looks like he is very, very guilty. He's totally covered in his girlfriend's blood. Um, and so uh, in their interview, he says he didn't kill her. He just found her like this. Nobody on Olivia's team wants to take the case. Uh, it doesn't make any sense uh, to them. But then Olivia says, I'm going to go with my gut because I always go with my gut. And my gut's always right. And she takes the case. So she gives uh, this guy a clean shirt. Uh, they put him in an office. She says, don't speak to anyone. And then she goes to the house of um, the attorney general and asks him not to arrest Sully for 48 hours, or she will create a media firestorm for him. Uh, this guy's name is Rosen. Rosen will be important a little later on. <clears throat> so uh, so uh, Olivia and Rosen haggle a bit, but in the end, um, she makes a, we'll say, compelling argument, <laughs> which, uh, which means basically that she's going to blackmail. She just, she just blackmails everybody, essentially. Um, and he gives her 24 hours. Uh, Harrison explains um, to Quinn, now back at the law firm, uh, that it's not a law firm, and that they are fixers. They're gladiators in suits. They don't have families or attachments or lives outside of the work that they do. They also don't really seem to have any scruples. So they work hard at using blackmail and other dubious methods to get a bunch of information about Sully, but they don't have enough. It still looks like he's guilty, and they're not going to be able to get him free. Uh, Olivia gets a call from the president of the United States, the president's chief of staff. His name is Cyrus Bean, and he needs her to make a problem disappear. Uh, you see, it turns out there's a woman who says that she slept with the president, and despite uh, her protests, Olivia agrees to meet with the president. I need to uh, mention that Olivia used to work for the White House, and this is important. So there's history between her and the president. We'll say like a capital H history. Um, <laughs> she, so Olivia goes to Camp David, and she speaks with the president, and she asks him if the accusation is true, and he says there is only one woman that he loves, and he looks at her knowingly. Uh, Olivia asks Quinn to track down uh, Amanda Tanner, uh, who is the, the woman making these accusations against the president. And then uh, Quinn does. And so Olivia and Quinn find Amanda in the park. And Olivia threatens her with terrible things if she goes public. And then Amanda leaves horrified. Uh, and Quinn is horrified as well. And so she goes back to the office and she cries. And then Huck, uh, who is a guy that works for uh, Olivia, um, he finds... Quinn, and he says, no crying. Olivia doesn't believe in crying. And Quinn asks why Olivia hired her, and Huck tells her that she is a stray dog. He says, we're all stray dogs, and Olivia has taken us all in. She fixes things, and so there must be something in you that she needs to fix. So now Amanda um, Amanda Tanner had told Olivia that the president loved her um, and that he bought her a dog, 
And, uh, and so Olivia calls the president, um, uh, president grant. Um, they, so sometimes I'll call him the president. Sometimes I'll call him president grant. Sometimes I'll call him Fitz, which is his name. Uh, and ask, uh, she asks him if he gave this woman, Amanda, a dog. He looks at, uh, he, 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 he tells to her, no, I didn't buy her a dog. Um, but Olivia thinks that they, we kind of see some doubt on Olivia's face. Uh, so Abby has been doing some work to clear Sully, the guy that was uh, that's being probably going to be accused of murder. Uh, and she found out that his girlfriend Paige was seeing another guy and that Sully knew about it. And Olivia confronts Sully and asks him about this. And he says that he did know that Olivia was or that Paige was seeing another uh, uh, other people, but that he didn't kill her. She was his best friend. All during this time, Olivia is trying to convince this guy, Stephen, who also works for her, uh, to propose to his girlfriend. And she makes, you guessed it, a compelling argument <laughs> to him. And it looks like uh, he's going to do it. He's going to go through with this and, um, and uh, propose to his girlfriend. Uh, then Amanda Tanner shows up at uh, Olivia Pope and Associates, and she says she was telling the truth. Um, but she gets kind of whisked away. Uh, then Rosen, the attorney, he shows up uh, to arrest Sully. And Olivia tells him that they have 40 minutes. Uh, so she says, you can't arrest him. I still have 40 minutes. And he says, fine, I'll wait here with my police officers. We'll arrest him in 40 minutes. Uh, so then Stephen, Harrison, and Abby find some street cam footage that confirms uh, his alibi. Um, and then Olivia goes uh, and she talks to Sully and she says, I know that you are gay. Uh, because it turns out that that's his alibi, that he was out with a boyfriend um, the night of the murder. And uh, and Sully flips out. He says he's a conservative and a Republican and a war hero, and he won't give up the name of his boyfriend. He'd rather be arrested than let people know that he's gay, because that's like the worst thing that could happen to you. Uh, and then Gwyn, uh, Quinn gets a phone call letting her know that Amanda Tanner is in the hospital because she tried to commit suicide. And then Stephen uh, goes to this restaurant to propose to his fiance. And then Quinn tells Olivia that she believes Amanda Tanner. And, um, and she says that – so Quinn went to the hospital to, to meet uh, Amanda Tanner. And while she was talking to her, she said, I believe her because she keeps saying that she, she thinks the president is going to come and be with her. Um, and that uh, he's going to call her sweet baby again. And as soon as Olivia hears this, uh, she immediately goes to the White House and confronts Fritz. Um, it looks like maybe sweet baby is something that the president says to people when he is um, in love with them seducing them, or seducing them. <laughs> uh, she is very upset. She says, I left you and, um, and that she, 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 she left him because uh, he said he wanted to dedicate himself to his marriage because he was the, and because he was the leader of the free world. Um, and, you know, now she, he's cheating on his mistress with, a girl with another woman or something. <laughs> and she says, this whole thing is messed up, but he just pulls her in close. He tells her that he loves her. She tries to get away. He kisses her. Cyrus walks in. It's all very awkward. Um, and then she storms out again. She goes to meet Steven at the restaurant. He's getting cold feet. She again, makes a compelling argument to him, convincing him to do this thing. And so he goes and uh, proposes to his girlfriend and Olivia. Um, she cries as she watches him propose. Then Olivia goes back to her office. People really get around. It's kind of national treasure like. Yeah, there's no traffic, it seems, because they had like 40 minutes and had traveled and returned and had a very private conversation all within those 40 minutes. Yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty remarkable. So she goes to meet Sully uh, in the jail and she tries to convince him not to live a lie about who he loves because it shouldn't be a secret who you love. Right. You shouldn't you shouldn't have to keep a secret the person who you love. And this should be, um, you know, interesting to us because it turns out 
that looks like she's maybe in love with the president and uh, and is keeping it a secret. So he tells her the name of his boyfriend. Um, and then he gets cleared of the charges and he makes this big announcement that he's gay and everybody cheers. Um, and uh, and then the team moves on to the next case. Uh, they're not interested in who killed Paige. And Quinn feels kind of bad about this. She wonders if they're really the good guys, um, if Olivia is really a good guy. And Harrison says, oh, yes, Olivia is a good guy. In fact, she's the best guy. Uh, and then Cyrus shows up and tells Olivia the president wants to meet her. She declines and tells Cyrus that he better hope Amanda Tanner doesn't decide to go public because she is taking her on as a client. That's the end of episode one. So we've established the world at this point. We've established the world. So we've got Olivia and all these people who work with her, Abby, Harrison, Huck, uh, Stephen. Um, we've got Rosen, who is in the, uh, who is in the, the attorney general's office. office. Mm-hmm. We've got a pretty scubby president. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to skip all the way forward to the end of season two. Um, I haven't seen all of season two and I haven't seen all of season one one <laughs> i've seen the and first I, half of season one and the second half of season two and i have only seen the pilot and the finale of season two okay so my first note uh, before season one episode 22 says so much backstory <laughs> <laughs> uh so i'm just, i'm gonna i'm gonna do the best i can here so the team has just found out that a guy named billy chambers is a really bad guy and in fact we know that billy chambers is a bad guy for quite a while but he's like a really bad guy um he used to be the vice president's chief of staff um, and then he was a mole inside of the White House, and he uh, he used his position to get secrets about how Olivia Pope rigged the election in Fitz's favor. Um, and this is this is a huge secret that they're trying to keep secret: the fact that they rigged the election, because you know that's pretty bad. Um, so, just real quick, uh, my sister, I asked her if she'd watched Scandal, and she said uh, she watched about the first four seasons, and then she said it just got too crazy with all the affairs and the rigging of elections, and it just wasn't. <laughs> and I was like, well, well, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> not as crazy as we would like. Let's just say, <laughs> yeah. So Olivia has all of the secrets about how she rigged the election on a card that is called the Citron card. And then Rosen, who is now working with her. So Rosen is not in the attorney general's office anymore. He's in Olivia's office. And um, he actually stole the Citron card and took it to Billy Chambers. But he didn't actually give it to Billy Chambers. He's going to keep the card. He's going to hold on to it until they actually use it, right? Because this card is all the leverage. So nobody wants to give it up. So Rosen has stolen the card. And he's not going to give it to Billy Chambers. But, he's, but, he, but Billy Chambers knows that he has it in there in cahoots. Okay, so uh, the president now is really in love with Olivia and they have been together a lot recently. Uh, So Nellie, who is the first lady, made an announcement on TV saying that her husband has been unfaithful to her, but she didn't name Olivia, even though she and everybody else in the White House knows this. And it's kind of shocking that. Everybody doesn't know this because they ahem, spend a lot of time together. Uh, instead, instead of accepting reality and leaving the Oval Office, which is probably what he should do, uh, Olivia convinces Fitz to run for a second term because she doesn't want to be responsible for him not being president. So there's a little bit of tension in the White House, we could say. Uh, Olivia and Cyrus Bean, who is the chief of staff, um, and Melly, who is the first lady, and a guy named Hollis, who apparently helped them rig the election. Um, they have a secret meeting in the White House to try to decide what to do about Chambers. Uh, Hollis just wants to have him killed. Um, but that's a bit extreme for the others in the room. 
Um, and Olivia says that the key is getting the card back, and Fitz agrees with her, of course. Uh, Olivia is resigned to spending the next four years waiting for Fitz. So she says, okay, uh, so you're going to work things out with your, like, quote unquote, work things out publicly for the public so that you can get reelected. We'll wait for four years and then and then we'll date and we'll get married um, after you divorce your wife. Um, he just wants to get mar- divorced right now and marry her and move her into the White House. She thinks that is not a brilliant idea. And so he says that he wants her to use her superpower to fix this problem while he uses his M superpower on her. Okay. So there's this uh, secret group in the government called B613. Uh, it's like a super secret black ops uh, CIA kind of thing. Uh, and there's a guy who works for the organization called Jake. And Jake has been assigned to uh, be Olivia's bodyguard. And uh, to make sure that she stayed away from the president, he also used his ahem, superpowers on her. And there's a video of him using his superpowers on her. And now his boss wants him to, quote unquote, bring in Olivia. And Jake really likes Olivia. And he knows that his boss is a pretty bad guy. Um, he's called the commander. And, uh, and Jake is worried that this tape of him and Olivia will get in the public. And he's starting to feel conflicted because on the one hand, he really likes Olivia. And on the other hand, his job doesn't allow him to break rules because if you break the rules, then they kill you. Or worse. Um, so Cyrus has... severe consequences. Yes. Uh, Cyrus has an interesting and heated conversation with the vice president, who is concerned ab- about the morality of what is going on in the White House. Seems uh, like a logical, <laughs> reasonable concern to have. Uh, it looks like she is positioning herself to take over the reins, the, the vice president. So now Olivia's team is trying to figure out what, who Billy Chambers is going to try to use to get the information from the Citron card because he's not a politician. So he must be linked to some politician who's going to use the information on the Citron card uh, to, 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 to take down the president. Um, it, too bad that they don't realize that Rosen, who was the guy in the attorney general's office who now works for them, he's working actually against them. And Huck who is super smart and struggles with serious PTSD, uh, is working with Quinn, who is Quinn from our first episode, uh, to get some security footage of the street cameras outside of the mansion of a governor who Olivia is certain is working with Chambers. Uh, Huck tells Olivia that Quinn reminds him of him and that he worries about her. He also tells Olivia that he worries about her. Quinn just, uh, Huck just kind of worries about everybody. Um, there's a really good episode of this show called um, 752 that's about Huck's backstory. And you can kind of learn a lot about Huck by watching that episode. But um, he has a he has plenty of reasons to be worried about everybody. He's had a he's had a hard go of things. Um, uh, Olivia tells him not to worry. And then she says, actually, you're probably OK worrying because I'm actually really worried about myself. Um, and then Quinn finds video of Chambers leaving this governor's mansion. Uh, so that now they know. So we have Rosen is going to give the guard the card to Billy Chambers. Billy Chambers is going to give the card to this governor who is going to uh, run against the president or something. Uh, so Rosen calls Chambers to tell Chambers that the team is onto him. Then the commander of B six thirteen tells Cyrus to use the the tape the 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 tape of um, Jake and Olivia 
together uh, to make this problem go away. And Cyrus doesn't want to because Olivia and Fritz are both his uh, Fitz are both his friends, and he doesn't want to hurt them. Um, he asks why B six thirteen is so interested in Olivia. The commander tells him uh, that he could tell him, but then he'd have to kill him. Um, and he tells Cyrus he's going to take care of Olivia. It's, I like that when he says, you know how sometimes when people are at parties and they say, I tell you, but I'd have to kill you. And then they joke. Well, I tell you, but I'd have to kill you. And I'm not laughing and we're not, we're not like over drinks. <laughs> um, so Olivia calls, uh, calls to tell, um, Cyrus that governor Reston is the one who's going to attack the president. And then Cyrus flips out because uh, Reston is in a meeting with the president at this very moment. And Olivia tells Cyrus, you have to go and stop it. But then Cyrus has a heart attack right there in the in the middle of the, of the mall, the Washington mall. Uh, so in the Oval Office, Reston tells Fitz that he'll make all of this go away. So he says, I've got the, I've got the card, even though he doesn't really have the card because Rosen still has the card. And he says, I've got this card. Um, I have proof that you rigged the election. Um, I'll make it all go away if you put me on, on your ticket for the next election. So he wants to be the next vice president. Um, and so Fitz, it looks like he's kind of stuck. There's no way out here. Um, and then uh, Rosen uh, is still refusing to give Chambers the card. And Reston can't make a move on the president until he does. So Rosen is, is holding all of the cards, both literally and figuratively, uh, in this situation. And then, uh, and then Rosen says, oh, I'm worried about selling out on my friends. And then Chambers tells him, Olivia Pope will ruin your life. And Rosen says, okay, fine. Here's the card. So he gives him the card. Uh, now, Olivia advises the president to take the offer to put Reston on his ticket, but just for pretends, not for reals. Uh, and then when Reston reaches out to Chambers to ask for the card, then they'll trace his phone call and they'll, and they'll get Chambers. Um, Melly, the first lady, she wants to put up a good appearance for the cameras because her popularity is dropping. But Fitzelser, listen, we are over. And uh, and then he describes to her in detail how he will destroy her if she gets in his way. And she leaves very, very angry. Uh, so that night, Olivia is home alone. And she hears someone trying to pick the lock on her door. And then someone grabs her from behind and covers her mouth. And it's Jake, the guy that's maybe in love with her. Uh, and the front door bursts open and it's another B613 agent who's been sent to kill Olivia. And uh, and Jake shoots her dead. And then he tells Olivia that he's part of B613. And uh, and sh and she realizes that he's probably a dead man walking now because uh, he disobeyed orders. And uh, she wants to help him. She says, I can fix this. I fix everything. And he says, no, you can't fix this because this is really bad. And uh, by the way, I only slept with you because it was part of my mission. And so then she kisses him and tells him to be safe and he runs away. Uh, then Cyrus shows up at her uh, and tells uh, Olivia that Fitz killed a woman like with his bare hands and that she needs to um, she needs to just let this whole thing go. It's not a romance novel. Fitz is a bad guy. Uh, then Quinn and Huck capture Chambers, and Huck is going to torture him like he used to because it turns out that he also used to work for B613, and he tortured and killed people. for a, That was his job, but he can't do it anymore because he's a changed man uh, because of his PTSD. But then Quinn um, decides to go ahead and do it again, so she tortures Billy Chambers and gets the, uh, gets the, the name of the person uh, who's working for them, uh, who he's working with. Then this Cyrus, transformation of Quinn from the pilot to the season two finale is pretty significant. Yes, yeah, she uh, she, she, she changes she was a lot. The, the wide-eyed, you know, the outsider being brought into this world in episode one. Yeah, now she's torturing someone for for information. Yeah, and it's very um, 
This show is another one that definitely earns its TV 14 rating. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, not, not one to watch with the kids. No. Uh, so they get the card back. There's nothing on it. Uh, and they realize that the card was a fake. And then they realize that Rosen uh, has been playing them. And then Rosen uh, returns the real card to Cyrus. And, uh, and then it turns out that Rosen has been, this whole plan for Rosen was to clear his own name of something that happened in the past that I don't know what it was. Uh, but it was uh, apparently a lot of bad stuff that Billy Chambers did. Rosen got na- uh, was getting uh, like pinned for it. And that was why he had to leave the attorney general's office. Uh, but now, because his name is going to be cleared, he gets to he gets to get his old job back. So Olivia and Fitz uh, meet in the Oval Office. He tells her he knows about Jake. And she tells him he knows about Verna, the woman he killed. So, I mean, this seems like pretty um, damning stuff for a relationship, right? Like, okay, uh, you say you're in love with me, but I know that you just slept with a guy like two nights ago. And then she says, yeah, well, you say that you love me, but I also know that you killed a woman with your bare hands. And then they're like, well, okay. Uh, he says, I still want to be with you. <laughs> I know, you know, I know we've done some pretty terrible things, but I really still love you. You're the only woman for me. And she says, you know what? M- me and my team, uh, my team and I, we have gone, we have gone too far. Uh, I can't leave them. I am their gladiator. Uh, so then Fitz goes back to Melly. Looks like maybe he's going to try to work things out. Cyrus smashes the Citron card, uh, which uh, destroys all the evidence that they that they tampered with the election. Uh, Jake gets captured by B613, and he gets thrown in this thing called the hole. It's this horrible, horrible place of solitary confinement, which is where Huck was when he went crazy. They, they locked Huck in there for a very long time, and that's why he went uh, crazy. Uh, Rosen is getting settled into his new digs as back as the attorney general and Olivia prepares to go out on a run, but she's swamped by reporters outside of her apartment asking her if it's true that she slept with the president. Uh, she tries to get away, but some big bad guys come and, uh, they sweep her into a car and she sits down in the car and, uh, and the commander of B613 is in the car and he says, hello, Olivia. And she says, dad. And then it ends the end. Wow, Todd, so, there was a lot to summarize in two episodes of television, and I think you did a great <laughs> job. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot packed into here. Yeah, it was one of the trickier um, episodes. As I was watching it, I was like, I'm glad I don't have the summary this week. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> when I started, like, I just sat down to start re- writing the, the summary for the season two finale, and I was like, where do you even start? <laughs> <laughs> start with this there's so much going on but i hope that uh, i hope that that made uh, at least a little bit of sense as i was looking up the trivia i looked into a couple reviews of the show from when it first came out and then also um i just came across a couple interesting articles and one article um was published on the guardian uh website and it was in uh, published just after they made the abc made that thursday block of shondaland shows and they asked uh, four different women to give their thoughts on the Shondaland franchises. And um, this is from Damaris Ocaña Perez, who is an independent writer and editor. And she said that she never, uh, like she does this preface where she's like, I never really watched the kind of like soapy, um, you know, shows with all the crazy plot twists. Um, And then I'll read the quote of what she said. 
She says, but then Scandal came along and I gave it a chance for a simple reason. It featured a powerful black female lead character on primetime at a time when there were and still are few quality TV roles for women who look like me. The fact that Kerry Washington's Olivia Pope could be dri- a, a driven heroine who goes after bad guys one minute and a flawed individual who fixes elections and sleeps with a married guy the next is what made her fascinating and infuriating. She was the character, a character with gray areas, a rare role for women of color in Hollywood so often relegated to filling stereotypes. I love that she sometimes wears her hair in its naturally curly state that she walks with purpose and that her clothes are fierce (laughs) and uh that um fascinating and infuriating uh from what i've seen of the show i think that fits for pretty much all the characters (laughs) yeah yeah it does um and this is one of those shows where uh it's basically a primetime soap opera i think it it maybe it seemed like it started with season one as more of a uh, procedural that was going to have a case of the week. But in looking at the finale season two, and it gave that recap of what happened during season two, somewhere it switched gears. It seems from a procedural. It, sh- it shifts gears in like episode two of the first season. Oh, okay. So I was <laughs> really? quickly away from, cause, cause the first episode feels like your classic, either uh medical drama or uh law firm show or cop show where there's a case no. of the week with some ongoing threads for your main characters. Um, and that's there's a little bit of that yeah there's a little bit of that but it really it's all about her and the president and this will they won't they thing that they have yeah when, um, they, when they gave that recap of what and then all of do. the all of the conspiracy all of the blackmail it's just the white house is a disgusting cesspool <laughs> of horrible people doing horrible things <laughs> Yeah, that's that's definitely what I got. That's somewhere uh, between the pilot and uh, the finale season two. This just became a, a primetime soap opera with uh, crazy yeah, conspiracies. Yeah, which yeah, I mean, we've is. talked about, um, like Grand Hotel uh, back in episode I want to say like fifty five, uh, which was a Spanish telenovela. That that was a soap opera that <laughs> was had crazy twists and turns and conspiracies and who knew what and who is attracted to whom all the time, you know, that, that constant shifting. Uh, so, I mean, it is a popular format. There's no denying that. Um, it just wasn't quite what I expected when I had watched the pilot. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's very, it, it, it shifts gears really, um, really quite quickly. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. About the show, I can't. Well, I'll say this: this is not my favorite show on TV, um, and it's it's actually I, like I really like Carrie Washington. She's good. I mean, she's oh, yes. really she has, she's really really good. She owns the TV screen. She has such a presence and such charisma uh, in the role of Olivia Pope. I haven't seen her in a lot of other things. I know she's done some uh, very well reviewed um, films and things. I just haven't seen a lot of her work, but when I saw her on this, I'm like, Oh, she's a star. (laughs) She deserves to be uh, the lead character in a TV show just from uh, her opening scene. Yeah. She's, she's very, very, very good. And she does this, um, this amazing thing where, uh, on the one hand, she's like super tough and always in control and she can fix everything. And then you see her, her vulnerability and her weakness. Like she is weak. She is. <laughs> she has no spine whatsoever when she's in the same room as the president. I mean, it's, it's like sickening. Like you just want to throw up at how spineless she is. <laughs> and I mean, he really like, when we talk about agency a lot, 
Um, and this is this is also really interesting, like in the Me Too movement right now, with all the stuff that's going on. But he manipulates her so so bad, and she totally falls for it. And in the end, it looks like I mean, the first night that they're together, um, this is episode seven of season one. Um, it it looks like it's her choice, but it's. <laughs> um, I mean, he's a he's a total uh, sleaze bag. I. I um and and for all of her toughness she for as many times as she says you know leave me alone don't be with you know don't be by me stay away from me um it's it just it doesn't really work and so yeah i mean in the pilot they also kind of established that she has um not only does she can she convince other people of whatever you know she needs done uh through you know all of her various methods. Um, but she also can read other people. Like it's established. Like she has, a, she looks people in the eye and she immediately knows, are they telling the truth or not? Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like one of her, her powers. Like it's like borderline. Like she has like a, a mutant gift. Yes. <laughs> is the way it's shown. And, but in the very first episode, it establishes that she has a blind spot for the president with this power, even Yeah. Um, where like she gets him to, to look and she she looks at him and she's like okay you're telling the truth but then eventually she gets enough information she's like no this woman whose life i just destroyed really he did sleep with her she was not um you know just creating gossip to become famous or anything like that or to take down the president she was telling the truth and the president lied to me and i didn't see it (laughs) so not only in terms of like going from the fierce um incredibly strong protagonist who fixes everyone's problems uh, to being kind of played by the president romantically. Uh, she also loses this kind of superpower about uh, being able to read people just with him. It seems. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> so I, I have a, I have a thought here. Um, it's been percolating kind of all day. And uh, so we mentioned earlier about, you know, watching this in 2017, there there's an interesting conversation that happens early in season one about um, about the president. And so the reason why he takes her on is because uh, he's losing his election. I mean, he, he's losing his, the, the campaign and, um, and Olivia was like a student of Cyrus's in law school or something. And so he, he asked her to come on, come in. She's a, she's a no name, nobody. And she immediately recognizes that the issue is that the president is not the, the, the the public is not convinced that the president's in love with his wife. And so she says, you know, if you want to win this election, then you've got to, you've got to really do this because the only way to get elected president of the United States is if you're in love with your wife. That's why Bush won over, over Gore, uh, because everybody would want to have beer with the, with the Bushes, but not with the Gores. Uh, and so like, that's the most important thing is, is like your personal life. That's the thing that matters. <laughs> and that's why I said, you know, it's interesting to see this in 2017 and to realize like, it seems to me today that the public really doesn't care a lot about the personal life <laughs> of our politicians. Um, and all of these things that seem to be so scandalous. I mean, really like, I mean, Trump has said, you know, I could shoot somebody in broad daylight on Fifth Avenue and it wouldn't make a difference. And it seems like for all of the horrible, horrible things that go on in the show, all the lying and the seat and the blackmail and the murder and everything like that, like the thing that was chilling for me watching it today is that 
on the one hand, I don't think that Washington is really like that. I, 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 I like to think that Washington isn't full of like everybody's blackmailing each other all the time <laughs> and that people are being murdered. All the journalists are being murdered all the time <laughs> for stuff that they know. Uh, but on the other hand, I think that if, if, it, if it was and that kind of stuff came out, I don't know that anybody cares. Like, like they think that they would care in the show. Like, oh, we can't let this happen or else our approval ratings will drop. And like the world is telling us today that it doesn't really matter what you know about a politician. If you if he if he fits your political agenda, chances are you're going to back him regardless. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's in some ways um, politics has kind of become uh, like uh, I think it's Bill Simmons is a sports writer. And he said at some point in his life, he realized that uh, sports fans were rooting for laundry. <laughs> where- <laughs> Uh, it's whoever's wearing your team's jersey, they're your favorite and they're yes. the best. But if they switch teams, suddenly they're the bad guy. Uh, and if someone who you hated was on another team and they come to your team, suddenly, you know, you you forgive whatever sins were in their past that made you think, oh, that, uh, you know, our rival team is so dirty for having them on their team. Once they're on your team, you sweep that under the rug and you <laughs> you say, I'm rooting for this guy. Uh, and in some ways, it seems like politics has become that where uh, rather than the holistic unity of what's best for the country. It's what's best for my team. Right. <laughs> and uh, if the guy in charge is wearing my team's Jersey, I'm going to support that. Even if, you know, personal life uh, or personality or whatever, fl- you know, whatever flaws are apparent uh, fly in the face of things that I said mattered previously. He's wearing my Jersey. Ergo, I will support him. Yeah. Yeah. And and then this whole idea that, it doesn't really matter what the president does in his personal life as long as like policy is good that that you'll just go along with it um is also just kind of i don't know <laughs> it's kind of disgusting to me um but i i i just don't know what to make of this show where on the one hand they do everything they can to cover this up but on the other hand it like it doesn't really seem to matter what the, the like the president really doesn't seem to care about what happens in his personal life that like it just doesn't matter. And Olivia doesn't really seem to care. Like the problem is not what they're doing. The problem is that somebody could find out and then they would, and then their image would be damaged. That's the big problem. And I'm like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> I think it does matter what you do, right? Not just what the public's perception of it is, but like what you actually do. Um, and there's a really, really good essay um, by a guy named Javier Goma Lozan or Lanzon. Um, he's a Spanish philosopher and he has a uh, a really good short essay that he wrote for a newspaper it's called the private life of politicians and it's in spanish but um he says i mean his thesis he starts with his thesis he says the only truly important thing for politicians is their private life in this article i will try to argue briefly this affirmation and then his ar- his argument is basically summed up like this he says politicians govern uh, society that they're chosen uh, the, the, the society that elects them in two ways. The first is by approving the laws um, that rule the f- and like the function of the community. And the second way is by being uh, the fountain of civic uh, customs um, through their conduct and example. And he says the laws that they, uh, that they approve are um, these uh, norms that, um, that come with sanctions if you don't, if you don't, uh, if you don't live them, right? So if you break the law, then you get in trouble uh, legally. And then he says, customs, on the other hand, um, move citizens in a way that is um, 
it doesn't have like straight uh, uh, punishments associated with them, but it, but it, that it's actually quite effective um, without the without the necessity of having uh, threats or uh, punishments. And then he says that, in his opinion, the second form of government governing is way more. It's deeper and longer lasting than the first. Right. So a president can come in and he can change a law and then the next president can come in and change the law or he can sign an executive order. And then the next president can say, you know what, that executive order, I'm just going to let it go. Uh, but the, the thing that changes very slowly is um, like society and the the uh, the habits that we have. And so he says, you know, uh, that the way that the uh, president behaves really does matter. And that um, if we say that private life doesn't matter at all, then every single thing that we think is bad, we have to make a law for. And that becomes like very cumbersome <laughs> for society <laughs> to have to legislate every single piece of, of morality. And so he says, um, you know, for him, the, it, the, 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 the private life of politicians really, really does matter. And I just couldn't stop thinking about this essay <laughs> while I was watching the show and thinking like, hmm, I wonder, um, it seems to me that like this is a, there's a very different idea of what's going on here. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, in Carrie Washington's Olivia Pope, like her role as a fixer is about fixing appearances. <laughs> it's not about preventing bad things from happening. It's not um, about ensuring that the good guys, uh, you know, get the best outcome. It's about presenting the best appearance, uh, no matter what has happened. And they talk for all of their talk in the show about like that he has to be president. You have to be president because we can't let that horrible religious vice president become the president because that would just be horrible because she's a fanatic and she's absolutely bananas because she's religious. Uh, we can't let her be the president. And so you have to be the president, Fitz. Like we'll make any – we'll rig the election. We'll kill people. We'll do anything so that you can be the president. And like – but why? Like, what does Fitz do that's good? There's there's no, there's no, never any hint of him, like, doing positive things as the president. It's being the president for the being the president's sake. Like, I haven't watched the show. Is there any sense of what his policies are? That they no. Or anything like that? No, only that he's a moderate Republican and that the worst thing could, that could happen would be for a truly conservative Republican to be in the White House. But there's never any... And this is like the big difference for me between this show and the West Wing is that the West Wing is at least like open about its <laughs> politics, right? There's, like there's a few differences between this show well, and the West Wing. <laughs> but they talk about like they talk about policy, right? Like what would be the best policy? How could we fix healthcare or or what would we do about um, you know, people with disabilities? Or I mean there's a million different things, but they're they're like talking about policy and the reason why they want uh, Bartlett in the presidency is because of policy and they want, and, and he's, you know, trying to work with people and like, you may agree or not agree, but like, there's at least talk about policy. And here it's just like, you have to be the president because we can't let these, um, bananas, uh, ultra right people become the president, but then you never see what, what's the benefit of him being in the presidency. Like she, even when she says like, you have to run for president, she doesn't say you have to run for president because, because black people need you or because uh, we need you to save healthcare or something. It's like, I need you to run for president because I don't want to be responsible for you not running for president. Like, that's the argument. <laughs> that's weird. You know, like if you really truly love each other, then just go get married. Right? <laughs> like, just go get married. Why does he have to be the president except that he loves power? 
And why are you trying to give it to him except that you love a man with power? I don't know. I haven't seen enough of the show, but I mean, from the two episodes that I did watch, I see the cycle you're talking about right there. (laughs) (laughs) It's very, it's very, very frustrating. And I can see, I mean, I totally get what, what this, uh, what that reporter was saying that, um, She's both like endearing and infuriating. Um, yeah, because fascinating she is. and infuriating. Fascinating What's and infuriating. Yes, she totally is because she's so, so capable and her heart is so good and she really tries to help people and do the right thing. And you want to think that she's wearing the white hat all the time. And then there are so many instances where you're like, oh, I don't know if you're really wearing the white hat right now. And even in the end, like when Rosen at the end of this episode, I didn't mention it, but it's called um, white hats back because so the very first episode of, of season two is called white hats off. And then this is the last episode. And at the end, Rosen, when everything's getting kind of resolved, uh, he sends her a package and it has a white hat in it. She puts it on. It's a very cool scene. <laughs> she looks great in that white hat, by the way. Um, and she puts on this white hat and you're like, yes, like gladiator in a suit. But like, what are you fighting for? Except just to fight. And like, I don't know. It's very, it's very frustrating for me. And maybe somebody that's seen more of the show can, can tell me more, but it's hard. It's hard to watch. <laughs> it's, hard, it's also hard not to watch. Which yes. And I, I, guess I, make- I think that is really the allure is that it, it, you, it's not just giving you what you want. Like the, these characters are making bad choices <laughs> that, yeah. that frustrate you. And when you try and really pick apart that cycle of why does she keep going back to the president and why does she ensure that the president has power? Like you, it, like you said, it's, it's very frustrating, but at the same time, there's so much charisma and so much, so many things happening that, you know, just keep pushing you along that you kind of want to be on the ride. <laughs> it's um, definitely shiny. I mean, it's like a, it's like a shiny ball that keeps rolling and you, <laughs> You have to, once you're in and you see, you know, a few of these things happen, you you begin to feel for some of these characters, like you want, you want to follow through and see what's going to happen. Uh, and then they <laughs> keep disappointing you like it every turn, every once in a while, they'll do something great. And you're like, yes, that was amazing. And then you're like, no, don't go in that place. Don't do that thing. And don't, you know, don't fall for this disgusting guy just because he gets close to you and, and says, you know. Just, just stand here with me for one minute, and then I'll go back to my wife. I promise. And you're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, you know? <laughs> I'm, I am kind of curious. Yeah. I think maybe you two can explore something further with the fact that they use the term gladiators in suits. Like gladiators aren't warriors. Gladiators are just fighters. They're they're professional wrestlers, and it, and, and they just yeah, fight and, for the like, sake of prof- fighting. And with professional wrestling, there's, you know, there's heroic storylines and then there's the heel turn and then suddenly your good guy's a bad guy. So I think what you've described is is what they set up with gladiators in suits. They're not warriors. They're not fighting a war. They're not soldiers. They're not fighting an agenda. They're just fighting. And sometimes they're going to be the good guys and sometimes they'll be the bad guys. Well, but, it, but in the very beginning, he says in that very, very opening scene, that's so great. I mean, the, oh, by the, the scene way, when yeah. Quinn walks into the bar with Harrison, that's amazing. It's such good writing. Even if the show, acting. nothing that we've described interests you, you should go on Netflix, the show's on Netflix, and watch the first five minutes of that pilot. That opening scene is one of the best written openers for a series <laughs> so that I've ever seen. But he says, we're the good guys. Like, we're good guys, and we we fight the fight. I mean, he's not saying we fight just for the sake of fighting. He's saying we're the good guys. And they say this so often. And then when Quinn's like, oh, my gosh, are we really the good guys? And and Harrison says, yes, not only are we the good guys, but Olivia is the best guy. Like, she's the best. And, um, I mean, I guess 
like the best at what she does, but but morally, it's very very complicated. Yes, yeah. The implication of that scene is that we're always going to be on the right side of the cases we take, like because of her instinct to know who's telling the truth. Uh, she's always going to be taking the right cases for our group, doing whatever it is that we do, which is really vague. <laughs> what, uh, you know, what their group is doing, and um, I. But at the same time that we're told that, like we are told in the pilot episode, she has a blind spot for the president, who is not a good guy, and it seems like that is what drags <laughs> her and everyone into this quagmire the cesspool of uh, all these crazy conspiracies is that one blind spot that she possesses and if not for that blind spot i think we would have had the heroes being the hero of the week for whatever client has come in um but that blind spot is so powerful and particularly because it is the president of the united states who literally is is powerful uh, but also like you said is is manipulative and um and does all these terrible things like it it has pulled everyone into into this and um like quinn who in the first episode is saying are we really the good guys by the end of season two you've got huck watching her do what she's doing and saying uh you're you're as bad as i was (laughs) right you've you've become what i was and what i thought i was getting fixed from being yeah i mean she tortures this guy she's totally covered in blood and then she's like i feel like i'm on drugs that was amazing and that those are the exact words i mean it's almost word for word what huck said when he was doing that when he worked for b613 in that episode 752 when you see his past and you see him doing the exact same thing and enjoying it just as much as quinn did and then you realize like what has Olivia done to fix Quinn if this is who Quinn has become? Because that's it's pretty gross to be that person. Yeah. Well, and I think it, again, it all goes back to that that one blind spot where she's not reading the thing right. It's it's knocking the white half hat off of her and her team. Yeah, and I'm I'm I mean the other reason why I'm like oh I I kind of want to know what happens in this show is because I want to see what uh, what happens with the president eventually. Because in my mind, he's a sleazebag. But, but, I mean, I've seen parts of season five, and we're still having the same conversations. And he still has the same power over Liv. And it seems like, I mean, it, there are so many times where he's painted as, like, the great, the great savior of the nation. It's, it's so similar in so many ways to, um, like, the arguments for why he should be the president are so similar to the, the arguments in the West Wing. When he's like, well, maybe I should, you know, not be president because I have MS and I lied to the country. And they're like, no, you can't not be the president because you're a great president and you should you should totally do this. And and we have the same like the same sentiment behind it. But the figure of the president is so is so much more repulsive in scandal than than Jed Bartlett is uh, in in the West Wing. It's it's a really interesting thing. And I want, you know, like in the end, I'm so interested to find out if. You know, like, do do they make it? Does he just get divorced and they get married and there's a happily ever after between them? Or does it turn out that he's horrible and he, you know, goes down uh, hard? And I don't don't know. Is there a moral reckoning? Yeah. Is there any moral reckoning for what he's done? Or does this all, is this all just happily ever after or mostly happily ever after? And I don't know. Um, and I, I kind of want to find out, but I'm like, oh, I might just have to read a summary because I don't know if I can put myself through watching all of this show. <laughs> um, in some ways, when uh, the end of season two, when she gets into the car and it's her dad who was like the head of the shadowy government uh-huh. organization. It, did you ever watch Alias? 
uh, the J.J. Abrams yes. show. Yeah, yeah. It made me I think watched of, all of it. Um, how that show would re- redefine uh, the stakes in the context every season. Like, yeah. Uh, things that you thought you knew suddenly are flipped around. Um, and uh, like it, it, in some ways, it's it's as absur- absurd as this show, yes. you know, what, what Alias was doing. Um, but there's just something that can be enthralling about becoming immersed in these weird heightened worlds of conspiracies and of um, – at the same time that there's like like the moral gray zones are heightened, but also the extremes on each end of the spectrum get really yes. heightened, and, uh, and and there's something that just pulls you in when it's when it's done well, um, and when it's not done well, we all just reject it and say, well, this is just ridiculous, and I can't buy this <laughs> plot. You know, th- this is absurd. But then I can think back through shows that have pulled me in for their entire run yeah. that were as absurd as things that I would throw off as just like well soap opera cliches yeah um depending on the quality of how it's being executed um and i think what this show has going for is some great writing from shonda rhimes uh the again those mon- there's some really fantastic monologues um that that come along and there's really top-notch acting <laughs> coming yeah. from uh some of these um so like just watching the pilot i was like i recognize well okay josh molina from west wing uh yes. and then I didn't know Carrie Washington from anything, but she immediately just jumps off the screen. But then there was also like, that's Desmond from Lost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's always good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's really good acting. Um, but one thing, uh, when I was looking around, uh, there was one review, uh, I think it's from Alan Sepinwall, who's uh, a, a really intelligent uh, TV critic. Uh, I, I really like his work. I've got a couple of his books on television too. Uh, but he says, to be perfectly honest, after watching four episodes of Scandal, I'm not 100% clear on what it is that Olivia and her team, most of them fellow lawyers who don't practice law, do, nor on exactly what this show is. I'm also not entirely sure that any of that matters. <laughs> Scandal is a good example of what a show is about being far less important than how it's about it. Yeah. It's um, it's like when, when we were talking about Mean Girls one versus Mean Girls two, and we said it turns out that that um, acting and writing and directing really actually matters. That <laughs> if you have those three things uh, in, you know, if you have quality in those three areas, then you can make something that people will just watch the heck out of, uh, regardless of what's on the screen. And I, I kind of feel that way about this show. Like it, it the craft is so like the skill and the craft is really high. And it, it, I mean, I don't know. They could be reading the phone book or something <laughs> when they do it with that like rapid fire uh, way way that they they have. I mean, I don't know. It's it's there's something very compelling about this, and it's it's uh, the quality is definitely really high um, as far as the skill is concerned. But morally, I feel so confused about the show. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know like what the moral compasses i don't know where it points i don't know what they're pointing at that says this is the good thing yeah i think the one trans uh transformation that sends out is quinn as saying this is the wrong thing <laughs> like something is going wrong yeah in how we're going about what we're doing um and again i haven't seen enough of the show to know what happens to quinn in the future or like we said is there a moral reckoning for the present for these uh for these choices but at least from the pilot episode to what must be uh, 
well, probably I don't I don't I think the season one was maybe shorter, but with over 20 episodes in season two, it has to be in the 30 number of episodes. And those 30 episodes, Quinn is transformed in a way that is frightening to Huck. And yeah. is, uh should be concerning to us as viewers. And I think the show is saying you should be concerned about what's happened to Quinn. This is not a celebratory transformation that we're seeing in her. So so one maybe one positive thing out of maybe one way that the moral compass points is don't torture people. Yes, that's yes. pretty good. <laughs> Don't I mean, uh, become euphoric when torturing people. <laughs> at least that, right? If you have to do it, then you should at least feel bad about torturing people, but but you shouldn't be euphoric. That's bad. Um, it seems like there's a message somewhere about love, but like the love in this show is icky. It's weird. And I... <laughs> it doesn't I, seem to be one true love. <laughs> yeah, sure. like I'm, I'm struggling to think of a relationship to point to that's like yeah that's they've got it they've totally got it figured out uh what about uh the oh, henry in q6 character desmond from lost what's his character's name the one who proposes Steven. in the first episode well uh, i mean i i don't know how that relationship turns out but but he was <laughs> i mean the reason why he's so concerned about going into this relationship is because he's a he's a woman i mean he's a womanizer like he just <laughs> well yeah he, he's worried he's not good enough for her <laughs> Like he, he wants. He's to like, be what if she leaves me? And and five minutes earlier, he was thinking about seducing the the coroner for an autopsy. And he's yeah. like, what if my wife's unfaithful to me? It's like, really? That's your concern? I don't, <laughs> probably you should take a look in the mirror and worry if maybe you're gonna like, you know, if you're gonna leave her more than if she's gonna leave you. <laughs> but I mean, I guess that there's a potential for something good there. And it seems like Olivia saying, like, that's the thing. That's the thing that we should be looking for is to have this great, stable relationship. Um, she's totally incapable <laughs> of doing that for herself. And even, I mean, even in, in season uh, season three or whatever that I was watching, and the president's like ready to walk away from it all. And it's Olivia who says, no, you can't walk away from this. Like, it's not time for us to go and be together because you have to still be the president. So go pretend like you love your wife so that you can be the, the president next you know, next term and do this. We can do this again for four more years because I've, I've still got a TV contract and we can't make this end or something. Seven is, I think seven is, has been said to be the last season. Is that right? Yeah. It, it's the current season that's airing right now. It's, yeah. So you should so, be able to read a series finale recap and find out <laughs> the president got what should be coming to him. <laughs> I, I think it's, you know, I think he's got some comeuppance headed his way, but I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know if, if that's, um, if anybody <laughs> is concerned about that really, or if they just want him and live to be together. Yeah. Or is this show that's just about the ride and the destination in the end is just kind of like, well, we're glad you came with us. <laughs> And uh, is there is is there a way to wrap up the, all the insanity that seems to happen in this kind of a show in a way that's even going to be remotely satisfying um, at a conclusion? Or is it just going to be come along for the ride and strap in because there's going to be a lot of twists and turns along the way. Man. And if you try and connect uh, where one twist begins and where the next turn ends, you might not always <laughs> be able to follow the logic. <laughs> Or if you watch the first episode of one season and the last episode of the other, it might be hard for you to <laughs> draw the lines. In the yeah, 
Yeah, I, I don't know how uh, some of the characters got from point A to point. Oh, well, I guess it's probably like point Z. There's there's a lot of stops along the way. Yeah, well, seasons. we talked about. I mean, we were discussing. You know, what episode should we talk about? And um, and you know, this this episode, the the season finale of of season two is ranked really high. I mean, it has really good reviews and your sister had said that it was really good. Um, and then, and then the pilot, the beginning of the pilot is so good. The story about Sully is uh, totally inconsequential. The, 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 the meat of the thing is just getting to know the characters. Um, and then tonight you had said, well, they, these are so different and there's <laughs> such a chasm between one and the other. Maybe we just talk about one, but I'm, I'm glad that we talked about both of them because um, I think, I think seeing how much it changes from the beginning of season one to the end of season two, and there are five more seasons of this, uh, <laughs> I think gives gives us a kind of a better idea of what's going on than if you just see that season one. Because I, I think you can see that that pilot and think when they say they wear the white hats and that they're they're gladiators in suits that they just mean that they're good guys fighting for good all the time. And uh, I, I think we truth, see right. I mean, she gives a monologue to Sully about truth. That yeah does not carry over to her recommendations to the president. <laughs> if, if I may be so bold as to suggest that she has a double standard. Yeah. Yeah. You, you may be bold, so bold as to suggest that. Yeah. Um, complicated. She's great. I mean, she's so good. She's so good. And she, it's so easy to, um, to care about her. And that's, uh, I think that's why, I mean, that's why I got mad and turned it off. The same reason that I turned off uh, Gran Hotel at the end of season one, because I cared so much about these characters. And then I see them doing these horrible things. And I'm like, I, this is too hard for me emotionally. Like, I can't, I can't do this. I care about you. And I hate to see you make these dumb choices. And so then I turn it off. And then, uh, you know, a year later, I'm like, oh, but I wonder what happened. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I know I can read, I know I can read a summary, but I'm like, I kind of want to see it happen. Like whatever it is, I, I want to see it all the way through. And that's, I mean, I guess that's good writing. <laughs> <laughs> it pulls you in even as you're like expressing the very frustration of, uh, I, I don't want to see these characters make these choices. You, you have to keep watching. Yeah. And again, uh, a lot of respect has to be given to Shonda Rhimes and also to Carrie Washington for this, this character. Um, and how compelling it is to see, uh, again, like I just, I, I called out, like the pilot has her give a moralizing uh, monologue about truth. And then yeah. we see all the double standard that, that, that gets carried on. And yet it's compelling to watch. Uh, and uh, this is the last season of Scandal. And I will automatically be interested in whatever Carrie Washington ends up doing next. Because <laughs> again, like you, you watch the pilot, like she's a star. Yeah. There's a reason she was cast as the lead uh, in a network, uh, you know, hour long drama that's going to run for almost a decade. Yeah. It's the, that chasm between what they say and the way that they act is really, really interesting. Like if you, if, if all you had were these great monologues of people talking about being good and doing good and saving people and like protecting the weak, um, then, then I think there like, there is a morality there, but when you lay that on top of everybody's actions, then it becomes way more complicated. And I, I don't know that that's always a great thing. <laughs> I don't know that yeah. morally complicated is always the best thing. Even as you adore film noir. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Even as I adore film noir, but I, 
I don't know. I think film noir does. I mean, I, I feel like the morality of film noir is pretty clear. Like they're not celebrating bad behavior because <laughs> people <laughs> generally get their comeuppance in film noir. Yeah. But that's also an hour and a half to two hour story versus yeah. at this point. How I a <laughs> hundred hour plus, I'm sure for scandal. Oh yeah. <laughs> easily. That's going on. Yeah. All right. Any uh, final thoughts, Todd? Uh, no, I mean, just what we said that the acting is really good. All of the side characters are amazing. <laughs> and um, I mean, like Huck is great. Harrison is great. Cyrus, when he goes on these tirades oh. at the president, he is <laughs> one of my favorite <laughs> that guy. Just, like he is all in to that character. Yes. Uh, and in the season two finale, there's a scene where after he has his heart attack, um, he's in the ambulance and he's yelling at the president about what the president needs to do. And then the president and Olivia are like on speakerphone and they hear the EMTs in the background. And they're like, are you, are you in an ambulance? And he's like pushing the paramedics away from him as he's chewing out the president and dictating what needs to be done. He's taking the oxygen mask off his own face. And he's telling and, the secret service to shoot the paramedic because he's trying to and, hang up the phone or something. <laughs> The actor is just so riveting to watch in that moment because he is 100% invested in playing this big, bold character. And it's yeah. just fun to see that commitment um, to what is, you know, an absurd scene. The man just had a heart attack and he's fighting off the EMTs so he can, uh, you know, have a phone call. But the actor is yeah, so committed he, to it that it's just great to watch. He does that. He does um, very often. He'll like walk in the Oval Office and close the door and then just ream the president. And he does it with <laughs> he does it with gusto. I mean, he is he is like you said, totally invested, totally committed in in this. Uh, and it's it's amazing to watch him uh, do his thing. And he's really the only one that does that to the president because Olivia can't. She's a she's a like a pushover. <laughs> In the face of the president, but Cyrus is just like a like a hurricane, and he's and, it, and, I, and we see the president walk all over everybody except Cyrus. Yeah. I think. I think one reason why it's so frustrating for Olivia to be so uh, you know get walked over by the president, like you said, it's because like our opening scene of her is <laughs> her staring down Russian gangsters with guns and saying, "We're paying you half your ransom, and you're going to take it." And yeah, thank us. <laughs> Thank us for taking it. And they do, because she is so intimidating in that setting. And I imagine in every setting that doesn't involve the president, she is that strong yes. and that intimidating. But it's just so frustrating to see the president who isn't, you know, he's not a mooning man that's in love with her and these circumstances are keeping them apart. He's not a good guy. <laughs> and he doesn't yet, seem like she it. Has, yeah, yeah, she has this massive blind spot when it comes to him. And they also, I mean, the, the other thing that makes it, um, I guess, morally trickier is that his wife is really yucky. The, the first lady. She a Lady Macbeth kind? Oh, yeah, totally. Of, uh, of character? Oh, yeah. So, um, I mean, I'll just, in the, in the season where you see the, where they flash back to the campaign, um, they're going to lose the campaign. It's not looking great. And they're in, like, some mom and pop diner somewhere. And Olivia has been trying to tell them, like, you've got to win people's hearts. You've got you've got to convince people that you're that you're in love with each other, even while they're like fighting and yelling at each other in private and they hate each other. They never touch. And they're in this diner and the and the the um, the first lady, she gets kind of teary eyed and she says, I, I feel like I have to say this thing. And everybody gets quiet. And she says, 
um, you know, we've been married for 20 years and we've got these two beautiful children. And then I got pregnant and I was two weeks pregnant, but the, you know, the stress of the campaign and being on the campaign trail and everything, um, like I miscarried, I lost my baby just recently, just recently, like, you know, and, uh, and Fitz was going to stop the campaign because he knows that his family is more important than being president. And, uh, and I, um, and I told him no, because this world needs you and, uh, and the United States needs you because you're the best man for the job. And so I'm the one that convinced him to stay on, even though he wanted to just take care of me because he loves me so much. And she's like crying and holding his hand. And then everyone's like, Oh, and they start clapping. And he like, he has this blank look on his face and he like leans over and hugs her. And then her face is pointing like away from the crowd. And she whispers in his ear, I think that'll about do it. Don't you? <laughs> and it's like a total lie. Like the whole thing was a lie. Never had like so none of this. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. And so then when you see him and he's like, Liv, I love you. And you're like, well, I love Liv because she's awesome. And, and he loves Liv and his wife is terrible. And so like, maybe that is the best, maybe the best thing is for them to be together. He should divorce her and get married to, to live. But, but, but then you see the vice president and you're like, the vice president is terrible because she's a religious fanatic. And so she, he can't leave the, the presidency because then a religious fanatic would be the president. And so I guess the best situation is for them to just be meeting in secret. And I, maybe he is acting in the best way. That's, that's like, that's the, the rub <laughs> is that they create a scenario where you go along with this and you're like, maybe this is the best situation given all of these other bad things that are happening. If, yeah. if his wife was awesome and the, and the vice president was super cool, then you'd be like, hey, um, you're a jerk, you know? <laughs> Like just step aside and let, you know, either divorce this woman so she can have a great life or do or fix it with her because she's amazing. But they create a scenario where you want the president to be with Liv and you see how he acts. This is why it's so interesting, like considering the Me Too movement and all of the things that men say uh, and do um, to to seduce women. <laughs> it's like this whole show is created on that basis. Like that's the dialogue. The dialogue of, of disgusting men is at the heart of this show. And it's part of what makes it so compelling. And that's what makes it like kind of yucky to watch. And also that you're, you hope that there is a comeuppance heading yeah. his way fast. Yeah. Cause if he gets, seven. if they, if they just have like a happily ever after at the end, then, then that's, there are like serious problems with that, I think. All right. I think uh, on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. And for show notes and links to all of the other great Dueling Genre shows, go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice. And please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you may want to go check out episode number 55 when we talked about Grand Hotel. We already name dropped that one during the show. Uh, or episode number one when we talked about West Wing, which the format of episode one, we hadn't quite nailed what we were doing yet. But we talked about West Wing on the first show, and that's another TV show we name dropped. And also something about this show and the soap opera nature and the twisted turns made me think of Veronica Mars, which we talked about in episode number 59. Another character who you love but are sometimes infuriated by her <laughs> life choices. <laughs> 
Uh, you can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. You can follow Protagonist Pod, Todd K. Mack, Jay Dorowski, and our producer Andrew is uh, at Dizminute on Twitter. And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. We have really good conversations there with our listeners and would love for you to say hello anytime. And we enjoy all the feedback, even when it's people telling us what uh, connections we made incorrectly in our Valentine's <laughs> Day special. <laughs> Our infamous, infamous Valentine's Day special. It seems like our listeners did not take as long to get rolling as we did in in playing that game. Uh, If you would like to support the show financially, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to patreon.com slash protagonist. Thank you again for listening, and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. A couple articles. <coughs> Sorry, I'll give Andrew a fresh take on that. <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat>